episode 242 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I, of course, am Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show, and I'm thrilled you're here today. I'm excited because I have a I have a guest on today's episode. It's been probably like six weeks since I've had my latest guest, so it's uh, it's nice to have some guests back on the show. I I've sort of been sort of enraptured in my own creative projects over the last couple months. So it's I guess it's probably been easier for me to just record a podcast where I'm talking about a cultural topic that I'm interested in. So these next few episodes, I'm going to have some really wonderful guests. And today's episode, you're in store for really enlightening and, and fantastic conversation with Triga, and I'm going to pronounce his last name Toven, but it, it could be Toven or, or Toven. I'm not sure. I didn't ask him, but we'll just say Toven because it sounds more European. I like to pronounce names and sort of give them a French or European flair. So I'll just say Triga Toven. Um, and I'm I'm always really interested in people that have their hands on a lot of different creative projects. I used to think that I should only be, you know, a singer songwriter, and it would be maybe foolish of me to try different avenues. Um, and I'm certainly not like J Lo or or Justin Timberlake, but I do remember many years ago. I don't want to say they inspired me, but. Uh, I sort of felt, gosh, if, if what's holding me back? There's there's no reason not to pursue multiple mediums to try and express yourself. So I remember Triga, Triga and I have, have been connected on on numerous social media platforms, and I know that he's a music supervisor. He's he's been a supervisor for years, and he's he's supervised and, and overseen many pretty big shows, including I think Westworld and Amsterdam. Uh, but obviously, you can go to IMDb and check all of those shows out. But I remember seeing a post on either LinkedIn or Facebook where he was writing a book, or he finished a book. And I had been in the process of of writing a book at the time, and so I reached out to him and and not only congratulated him, but I, I think I just wanted to talk to him a little bit about his process because I was, you know, pretty much beating my, myself up with that process of writing a book. It's, it's obviously really uh, nourishing and an incredibly uplifting experience and, and really transforms your brain, but it's also a pretty, pretty uh, hellacious way to get through the day sometimes. It's, it's an overwhelmingly large mountain to climb to write a book. So we sort of started this conversation back and forth about writing a book. But then he told me about this new app that he developed called Anti-Journal, which I think is a great concept. And I believe anything out there that can sort of help creators focus and tune into their creative process, I am all for. So let me just, I'm going to read this to you from his website. Anti-Journal brings digital catharsis. Have you ever been so frustrated with the revolving narrative in your head that you just needed to get it out? Writing down your thoughts not only feels good, but is good for you. Getting your thoughts out releases the pressure valve of emotions, writing down your thoughts and letting them go even more so. Whether you're writing a letter to yourself, debriefing a bad day, or writing an angry email that is not in your best interest to send, the ritual of burning allows for a release or letting go of thoughts or words left unsaid. Yeah, I think this conversation with Triga is so important for artists to listen to, and even people that are sort of wanting to change their habits. I mean, do you notice what triggers you to sort of go down this spiral of maybe anger or anxiety? And I I really think in this day and age, to reach this level of balance and mental fortitude it requires a deeper level of inner work, turning inward, being present, understanding why we why we react particular ways to certain stimuli. And my podcast, really briefly here before you listen to the conversation, it erupted out of my curiosity towards what is technology doing to our brains? What is technology doing to the intrinsic process of creativity? And I have to say, after speaking to Triga, 
I just felt less alone. I felt more relaxed because it's empowering and soothing and relaxing to speak to other creators that are also, you know, inspired by this world that we live in, inspired by the technology, but also a bit overwhelmed by the nonstop influx of information thanks to tech and social media. It's a very confusing time. So I love speaking to people that are quote unquote sort of renaissance men or women who have their hands on multiple creative outlets, multiple mediums. And I think it's a great talk. Uh, We talk a lot about tech. We talk a lot about music and the creative process. We obviously talk about his new app, Anti-Journal. If you want to find out more about Triga, visit his website. It's triga.com. That's T-R-Y-G-G-E.com. I'll have links, obviously, to the website uh, in the notes section of this podcast. He's also a a music producer, singer-songwriter, so he obviously has his hands, as I said, on a lot of different creative outlets. Um, Thanks again, Triga, for being a part of the show. It means a lot. You know where to find me on Instagram, at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Remember, if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends. That would be a huge help. Maybe write a review on iTunes or Google Play. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to have some guests back on the show. So I I really think you're going to enjoy these next few podcasts. So as always, thanks so much for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. It may have been I heard your name. I was at South by Southwest maybe 10, 12 years ago, and I was with Todrick and Danny Exum, and I remember they... Yeah, I was there at that time with them at some point. So So I I was kind of hanging with Todrick a little bit, and and I just remember them either introducing me to you or they didn't, but I remember them like saying your name really... uh, you know, loudly and excited to see you. So I appreciate it. So if this is the first time I'm officially meeting you, it's great. To I know you. it's been a long time. Yeah. 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 I know we've connected a few times, but yeah. Nice to meet you. Um, so first off, I had no idea and I can't decide if I want to like backtrack first or just congratulate you and talk to you about anti-journal first, but uh, just, I had no idea you had your hands on so many different creative outlets Far too many, yes. <laughs> well, but that's that's an interesting. Let me well then let me touch on that just based on something you just said. So, for the longest time, I used to think I should just be a singer songwriter or a musician. Um, there was even almost some advice or or a saying I got from a peer, like a true musician or singer is is you know just puts their whole heart into that. And, yeah. But maybe mm-hmm. maybe like 10, 15 years ago. I almost felt like, gosh, maybe I'm selling myself short, you know, because I have so many other interests and and you can be a DJ or you can be a music supervisor. There's so many elements that are creative. So I just, why did you say that uh, you have far too many or, or is that, is that something you struggle with or you, were you just being sort of sarcastic? No, no, it's definitely something I struggle with. I think that I, I had the, I mean, the same journey you're talking about where it's like, okay, I got to focus. I'm going to do this one thing, you know, like, cause I write and produce music as well. And yeah, you think that you need to stick in, in one, you know, one path, one Avenue. And I think that I, I've always kind of dabbled all over the place. So I long time ago, high school before those days was in like web development and starting companies and uh, you know, always had a passion for that. Always was, you know, had a big, Thing with music being in choir and playing instruments and everything since I was like four. So, and everything always kind of, you know, uh, always looking for a way to converge all those different interests. Um, But now I basically have just, you know, I've been a supervisor for, I don't know, 17 years or something like that. So, um, but there's always just the, you know, the, the passion for business and for technology and uh, just other sides of and also just actually creating music. So, um, yeah, I just have just the last few years tried to give in to, you know, 
doing as much as, as I can in all the different areas I'm interested in. So, Do you think any of your, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, do you think, and even not necessarily just you, but do you think artists part of, like their art is potentially suffering a little bit or, or not as good as it could be because we are so multidisciplinarians uh, now uh, having our hands on so many different things. Like, you know, if, if Robert Plant was also, um, you know, an actor or a DJ, what would those first records have been just as, I mean, I don't know. It's something that I think a lot about, though. Yeah, I feel like there's kind of two schools where you get like the very... I mean, you look at somebody like Beethoven or somebody that's just like, you know, strictly in this world. Um, but I also feel like I've read a lot about different ways that people learn and and how you can converge ideas by having a lot of different influences and trying a lot of different things. So I, I just feel like the art would be different um, versus better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus, you know, because they're coming in for so many different. And that's what creativity is like. We're bringing in all the different aspects of life as we see it and, you know, kind of bringing a new idea out of it. So I feel like if you were stuck in just one mold, um, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Obviously you're right. There's many like genius level people that have done amazing things like that, but I, I don't think it's suffering. Okay. Personally. You know, that's, I think I like what you just said, that word different. And I think for a, a while, I, I, maybe I came across as, as old or curmudgeon, but, you know, gosh, music in the 90s was better than it is now. Or I used to listen to full records. And, and the last thing I ever want to do is, you know, sound like, a, like my parents or, or just sort of judgmental uh, older generation types of people. Because, you know, a lot of my friends are younger. I have friends that are older. And I think that allows your brain to stay curious. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think... I think your point about it just being different um, is probably the best way of, of looking at it. Because I even said on a recent podcast, like, I think no matter what in your 20s, whether you're 25 now or 25 in the, you know, in the 90s or t 2000s, new experiences happen more regularly than you are th than when you're in your 40s or 50s. So, you know, the first time I heard Pearl Jam is probably very similar to the first time somebody's listening to Billie Eilish. It's it's completely different music, but um, it's 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 creating those uh, exciting sensations probably very similarly. Yeah, and I, I kind of love how the music now, I, I feel like the rules that we kind of grew up with where you're in this school and that's all you listen to. And uh, especially in like electronic music for a long time was like very, you know, sorted out in specific styles and that's all they listen to. And I kind of love how music now is, is so, so many different styles in one and you can kind of get away with doing everything you want, which is really cool uh, versus like them expecting the audience expecting one thing out of you at all times. Um, so I think we won't have as many of those like Dylan going electric, right. you know, uh, experiences now because everyone can kind of, I, even in one album, there's so many different styles and, and, you know, things that are incorporated. So I, I kind of love that, at least for me being more of a Renaissance, you know, sort of person. Yeah. It's funny though. Something I, I've been thinking about not to play, be a contrarian, but, uh, I'm making a new record now and Similarly to you, as a DJ, uh, really influenced by electronic, but I, I love grunge and, and, and rock and classic rock, I do feel like my previous records have sort of been this amalgamation of almost too much, uh, too many genres. And this particular... Resources. Yeah, and this particular mm -hmm. album I'm working on now, it's just clearly rock and roll. And in this strange way, I... Yeah, I'm also conflicted. Like, it is exciting where we can take from so many different resources, but I do wonder if if the audience, if artists sort of explode or, or it's, it's, it's easier for people to sort of embrace someone or a type of style if you know kind of pretty quickly what it is. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the um, being able to have something that you recognize and you can kind of latch on to as a listener. I think that's huge. So, I, but I think mainly the cool thing is that you've been able to do all those different 
in your old, you know, now you're strictly on this just for this album and the next one might be completely different, yeah. which is really cool. And I, I feel like the audience now won't leave you because, mm. you're, you know, because you're doing that. So. Right, right. Um, so my show also has a, a, a deep curiosity towards the intersection of, of technology and the arts. And let's just sort of go into a time uh, capsule a little bit. And I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably mid-30s, late-30s, early, probably not early 40s, but I'm just guessing it's somewhere in that zone. So I think yeah, you had 40, a little... Yeah. Okay. So you had a little bit... You look youthful. So whatever you're doing, keep it up. What, so <laughs> Thank you. Whatever, I, you probably remember a world before... Um, sort of this sweeping um, avalanche of, of tech, but maybe technology based on how you were raised was sort of always in the house. So, you know, I guess, talk to me about your introduction towards the arts and then maybe how technology was presented into your world. And then, and, and do you find yourself juggling those two, incorporating the, t- the two? Is it sort of a, each week, it, it's something you think about differently? Yeah, totally. I think uh, music. So my father came over from Norway. Um, that's where the name comes from. Uh, and he he was a traveling, you know, like a, he was a folk dance uh, violinist, oh, wow. uh, or a fiddle player. And he was with a dancing sort of like a folk dance group. And they toured around to different colleges and stuff. And he ended up landing in Washington. So music's always been a big part. Uh, of as long as I can remember, uh, you know, singing in uh, like a Norwegian youth choir when I was very young, playing lots of instruments. So it's always been, music's always been, you know, a big part. My my mom was an amazing singer as well in a lot of different choirs. Uh, this choir of the West was kind of a famous one that, at the college that up there in Washington. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a big part at every part of my uh, my family. So that was always something that, I just gravitated towards playing violin, piano, uh, trumpet for a long time and a lot of singing. And then the technology was just kind of being just the right age, like you're saying, where when I was pretty young is right before the, you know, I graduated high school in 2001. So essentially right in the middle of the dot com era. So yeah, I had, you know, I just had a fascination with computers and building uh, websites right at the, at the, you know, advent of the internet, basically. So I didn't really combine music and technology at the time. It's always right. kind of been two different parts. But um, I think the idea of, I, I always, I'm looking for that way to converge the, you know, the two worlds in a way. And that's why I started that uh, anti-journal app. Uh, just why I wanted to make that idea, because it was something that I struggled with uh, personally, getting my own creativity out and overcoming fear of, you know, failure, rejection, everything that you can think of to to put out your own music and, and just to, to make your own art uh, was a really, I don't know, it was a struggle for me. So I, I went through a lot of different ways to figure those things out, sort of a spiritual journey of meditation and all kinds of different things of how I could overcome um, a lot of those struggles. And anti-journal is kind of just one tool of of that idea of, you know, it's kind of like, the, I don't know if you've heard of morning pages. Of course, yeah, um, I, I used to do it. But it's basically that, uh, you know, in a digital sense. And then I kind of combined a fire ritual, which is just, uh, you know, the idea of letting go of, of, you know, bad memories or any sort of uh, troubling thoughts and put it all into a little simple app. Um, but that was the idea is like, can I share some of the tools that I, you know, that I've kind of had to develop for myself over the last 10 years of different things that I've learned and can I make it in a more accessible, easy way instead of the, you know, 50 books that I read to try to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, but to circle back. So, you know, that's kind of the ideas. Uh, I kind of want to focus in though. Yeah, yeah, please. But I don't want to, det- I, I don't remember, I don't, if you cannot, if you can remember what you were about to say, but it's okay if you don't, because I kind of want to know if you don't mind sharing one or two of the tools, because I consider myself pretty confident. I mean, I certainly have my own insecurities. 
Uh, but sometimes I feel like this incredibly feeble singer-songwriter because I'll um, spend, I, I mean, I came up with a cool song idea a few days ago, and then I'm like, do I post it? Do I not post it? And then if I post it, what is that? It, it almost feels like it detracts from the sort of special moment that kind of came out of nowhere where I, I was sort of feeling like a vessel, and 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 I've got five songs that are done now, and I feel such joy, and, and but now I'm kind of like, Oh God, I'm gonna to have to start releasing them, and and it kind of makes me feel makes me feel yeah. gross in this weird sort of way. So, um, I, I kind of want to focus a little bit on on what you've learned or or your process, and and maybe overcoming those hurdles, or do we ever overcome them fully? I don't know. I mean, I go and you know, like it's like a constant roller coaster. So I'm I'm back in the mode of not creating as much with the strikes happening and everything, uh, but trying to use those tools to reset. But I think um, a big part of it for me was, I mean, like you said, the the process may may have been a joy, but now what am I going to do with it? And you know, and and I jump way ahead in all everything I do, so I'm always. You know, instead of making the song now, I'm thinking about that pain that you're having of after you've already made it and what are you doing with it and how it's going to be received and all those things before I even sit down to write the song. So uh, I go through a lot of those struggles. So I, there was just a lot of things of kind of priming myself uh, to kind of mentally be in the right place hmm. to actually even be able to create without, you know, running away essentially uh, like that. So I think meditation was a huge one and also like specific meditations of, of, you know, forgiveness in different ways to kind of deal with just whatever uh, is blocking me that day. But also uh, just an, a general priming of like meditation, exercise. It's, it's like a whole life thing for me to be able to even get through it. Yeah, the anti-journal is basically just the first tool and I have, I'm just getting started on an idea of having it all encompassed into one built, you know, one full app that has a bunch of different ways of like, oh, I'm blocked today, or oh, I just want to prime myself before I write this song, or, you know, all these different, uh, you know, different scenarios of where you could be in, in in your creative journey of trying to essentially unlock your creativity or access your creativity uh, in different ways. Either you're really blocked and you're in that moment, you're kind of in an emergency, or it's like, you're just kind of like setting yourself up for success for that day. Uh, so there's, I, you know, even going on a walk and there's so many different yeah. things that everybody reads about. It's all those different little ideas. And then I guess the basic, the overarching idea is to have uh, almost like a calm, calm, you know, like calm.com, like almost like that sort of app, but just for creativity. So a full thing of, you know, experts, experts like yourself and podcasts and all different things of how do we, you know, kind of combine those ideas um, and, help because I feel like everybody's a creator now. Mm -hmm. I know that everyone's always been creative. Yeah, to me, everyone's always been creative, but I think there's always a sense of these are the creatives and everybody else is over here and they're not creative. And I feel like, especially now, you know, nowadays with the creator economy and just YouTube and influencers and everything, there's so much more opportunity for everyone to kind of express themselves. And I really feel like there's a lot of mental health issues that could be solved by people being able to actually express themselves and, and be creative. Even if it's not professionally, it's just a matter of making things, you know, Yeah. actually go out and create. And I think the in interesting quote that I always see, which I don't know if it's a, uh, I don't know who said it, but essentially they say like 99% of people consume and only 1% create. And I feel like there has to be, you know, that that shouldn't be the, statistic you know and there's got to be a way to help yeah all the people that think they're not creative to kind of be able to overcome those same things that i like i i've done creative work my whole life but i still struggle with all these things in order to be able to overcome them so i feel like the people that don't even have access to creative just aspects of their life but they should and i feel like it would really help everyone so well and and i think today more than ever, it's it's so incredibly difficult to be productive and creative because of the distractions. And, and, you know, I'm pretty disciplined and I still have those moments of struggle because it's just so easy for my brain to get titillated by God only knows what on YouTube or Netflix. And it, I, it really 
takes uh, discipline and practice. And then I just, I even need to be in the right headspace. Uh, I mean, I bought a new guitar about a year ago and, and I had no intention of, of making a record where that was sort of going to fuel the songs, but it ultimately did. I mean, I, I really think, and again, much of what my mm-hmm. podcast is about is, is balancing that. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting don't subscribe to Netflix or Hulu, but you know, it's so easy to, um, go down a path and it, it, you know, there's an explosion over here that draws your attention. And then while you were talking, I was thinking also about a Rick Rubin quote that he just posted, which made me think about anti-journal and what you're talking about. And his, I'm going to summarize, but he said something like, you know, remember it's okay to create with, with no stakes or, or with, you know, with the intent to not share. Right. And because everybody's sharing, and I think to your point of anti-journal, it is really important to find spaces where whatever you're doing isn't ultimately going to be shared. Right. Well, that was exactly that's the idea. That's exactly the idea because it's the exact opposite. It's like the tweet that you shouldn't be sending, or the the, the mm. email that you know you definitely should have taken a moment to think about before you sent it. But also just getting out frustrations that you know no one but the ether needs to hear about. Um, and I think that's the opposite of what everyone does these days. So like there was also the idea of uh, I think Lincoln uh, actually called them hot letters where he would he would write a, a mad letter to, you know, another politician or something. And he just put it in his desk and never mail it. And it's, you know, kind of that same concept. And how do you just get that negative energy out? Uh, but also even just getting mundane energy out so that you're allowing yourself to kind of bring in those those creative forces and what can you you know the ideas can't be there if you're you know just jumbling around about just regular everyday tasks or someone that annoyed you at the stoplight or any of those sort of things so i feel like that's where the morning pages comes in is it's just getting all those ideas out every morning and this is kind of a you can use it in a in a quick way and I even have like a little thing built in where you where you double tap with or you tap with two fingers and it, it all the everything you wrote turns into musical notes uh-huh. because like, it's just kind of like you can literally be writing about the most, it's supposed to be completely anonymous, get it out, you know, so someone's over your shoulder, you, you know, you can totally block it. Um, but that is the thing ever we've been told to share and I, all these content systems are built on everyone sharing everything constantly. I feel like it's yeah. not necessarily healthy. So, yeah. And you were also talking about something that actually I'm curious your thoughts um, I don't, you, you mentioned that I, I'm, you know, paraphrasing here, but, you know, everybody's a creator or, you know, so many people are, are creators um, or, or it's, and, or it's, it's easier now than ever to create. And I have mm-hmm. to say, one of the things that does make me feel insecure or very small is that very idea that, you know, millions of people are doing what I'm doing and, um, it somehow sort of strips some of this uh, uniqueness of what I do away. You know, like if I go on Instagram and there's a, a performer um, or like Hotel Cafe has this Monday night singer-songwriter and then I'll click on all the singer-songwriters that are performing and then I'll look at their Instagrams really quickly. I'm just like, fuck, you know, everybody's a freaking singer-songwriter. And then I feel like, what you know, what am I doing or... What's the point? Right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's that's yeah. that's where my head goes, and and so I kind of yeah. have to just not even look. I think that's a lot of the idea of where I want this to go eventually. Is like all those that's so much easier to jump to than it was twenty years ago because there's so much inundated and everything to compare yourself to. So how do we? It's almost like they're like anti-tech tools that happen to be on an app. You know what I mean? Because it's yeah. trying to reset your brain. And it's like, like you said, uh, if you look at, you know, like the streaming on Spotify, all the new songs used to just be up against the new songs on the radio. Now you're up against all music of all time. So, you know what I mean? Cause if you want me to listen to your song, I could go listen to a Beatles song just as easily. I don't have to pull out, you know, an old album or anything. So it's that much harder and there's that much more to compare to. And it's almost like, um, I, I forget what I, if, I forgot where I hear about heard this, but it was like back in the day, you were the best musician in your village. 
you know, and that wasn't that crazy. And now you have the entire world to compare yourself to. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, I mean, anybody that jumps through that is, it's pretty incredible, uh, mental feat. I'm just very curious about how an artist, you know, breaks or becomes huge. I, I, I'm not like a lover or hater of Taylor Swift. Her latest record, I actually think, is my favorite one. There's some songs on there that have certainly been on repeat for me. Um, but, you know, how, I guess somebody on my show once said something like, the best drummer is, is working uh, behind the counter at In-N-Out. Like it, it's very possible that the, the drummer on Venice Boulevard uh, that works in and out is actually the best drummer in all of LA, but because he has bills to pay or for whatever uh, different circumstances, he just can't uh, be able to get that opportunity to be a drummer. I think there are forces out there. I don't know if this is financial forces or marketing forces, or uh, we live in a very superficial um world where people, I think, have to be really pretty. Of course, there are exceptions, but it certainly helps if somebody's easy on the eyes. But um, I don't know. So many variables. Am am I making, I don't know. It's just something that I, like, it's just interesting to me that Taylor sells out six shows at SoFi. Again, I think she's really good. um, But could anybody, could other people have done that? You know, how how does the world sort of create those stars? Am I making any sense? Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with you. I feel like um, obviously the musicians 200 years ago, uh, most of, it's not like the peasants that could, could have been the famous music, you know, so there's definitely a financial level of, of being able to do that. And back to what we started with on focusing on something, you can't focus on that if you're working, you know, 20 hours a day, right. <laughs> you know, manual labor. So that, there's definitely an aspect of that. I think Taylor's an interesting uh specific example because she's just so she works so hard uh which is how you can kind of uh describe like how she gets to that level um but yeah it is i don't know it's a it's a i don't even know how to answer how you know how you break through these days and how you get to that level do you and it think it feels like do you think it's hard work do you think it's timing do you think it's a combination is it i hate to bring up the word well hate's a strong word but even suggest the word luck the universe, the stars, but you know, what's, I think what's, she had, yeah, I think she had a lot of luck. And then she also, I think the reason she's bigger than maybe the other A-listers is because of the hard work, but all those things had to help to get her. I just heard, heard like she, she does these, uh, she would have like a three hour show and then we'd have like a meet and greet with her with a bunch of supervisors and she would go around the room and know everyone's name and what they worked on. Wow. Like, what is that? The smallest artists I've ever, I've never seen anyone do that before, you know, like, so there is something to be said about that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's obviously a million other things, right? Luck and, and perfect circumstances for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm only playing devil's advocate cause just, just to throw this out here, it's almost just personally my issue with my phone and and potentially using a journal on my phone is because I associate my phone with with sort of the four or five meeting the five, and um, I you know I have an iPad that's specifically devoted to you know uh, Logic and and GarageBand and creative aspects, and so is that. And then I was even thinking with your app, and maybe there's a new update that's coming, but I was even thinking if there's a way to actually use like a, an Apple Pencil or something where you can like journal as opposed to type. That's the other thing. I like voice Yeah, memos. that'd be great. I like voice memos just for the simple fact that I fucking after a while can't stand using my thumbs all day. So I'll just send somebody a voice memo just because, you know, it just... Look, bottom line also, I, I have a, there's an emotive quality to my voice and you can't get that just through text. So it's sort of like, hey, I'm going to send this person a voice memo. I'm going to rest my thumbs and I'm also going to actually add a little bit more juice to the text. So yeah. anyway, it was it's it's hard, just, to, hard to explain those that, you know, where you're coming from as well over text. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, is it something that you with anti-journal, it, you know, it's it's on this device that can often 
add a lot of anxiety and stress. So it's, you know, what, what, what would you say to that sort of point? Yeah, no, I think, I, uh, I mean, of course I thought of that. And I think the uh, having an iPad version makes a lot more sense because it's like a, a written thing. And it's, I mean, most of us have iPads that aren't connected to all our socials and everything else uh, so that it's a little bit more, yeah, like I have my music tools around my iPad as well. Um, I think, I think there's just a whole generation of people that don't think like that at all anymore, you know, uh, whereas I'm kind of right between that. Uh, I would probably like to write it down, but then the idea is that it's also, there's this kind of interesting ritual of it burning away and it's so much faster and convenient. Yeah, I think uh, some people are just born always on their phone as well. So I feel like if, if I can make a tool where they already are, if it's instead of them going to Twitter on their phone, they're already there or Instagram or whatever they're posting, and then they go there instead and then kind of have a, you know, refreshing moment. I think that's the idea is like, so come kind of come to the problem where it is, is the, was the idea. But of course, I think uh, that's why Morning Pages is like strictly on paper and you write three pages out and it's a whole thing. Um, but I, I like the idea of it kind of disappearing as well, because some people actually love to go and read it again. But I think the idea with morning pages as well as was like, this is a brain dump, get rid of it, never look at it again. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It's just kind of getting, uh, getting those kind of errant thoughts out. So yeah, I like the idea of just hitting a button and it burning up on the screen. So yeah, yeah. But, that, but I, of course, you know, it's uh, may not be for everybody either. No, I think it's, it's, I think it could potentially be for everybody. I, I, I use um, Penzu for, as a journal, um, and and I, there's another one I use suddenly where I, I have my pen or my pencil and I can just... No, but I love the pencil idea. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm going to look into that. This is obviously like a first, first version sure. and it's only the first tool. The overall app will be called Vidsyn, um, which is funny because it's like was my old music company name, but it's a Norwegian uh, word that basically means like breath of vision or um, uh, it's kind of like a broadening horizon sort of idea. So I love the name and it being this kind of, uh, you know, word that nobody knows, but also short and easy. So it's going to build into a whole thing with a lot of ideas like that. And this is just kind of like the, as they call it, like the minimum viable product version yeah. just to get something out there and just start trying stuff. So, yeah, let's go on that, that, um, time machine again. And then I also want to talk to you about um, the book a little bit. I don't think it's out yet, but so I don't know what you can share. But and if you don't want to talk about it at all, I don't totally, even talked about that. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, it's totally um, fine. It's, uh, but, it's all in the same realm. Yeah, that's what I was. Which is funny. Well, it, you know, um, so before we go there, just backtrack. I mean, did you have my cat keeps biting the cords? Did you like what was did you have these visions where? I know you're a singer, but were, were you sort of thinking ahead, I want to be in a band or I want to be, you know, like you too, or, or did you really have those clear sort of visions or is, has it sort of like, like been kind of molding and developing as you go? Um, yeah, no, I never had that, uh, I have to be on stage sense, you know, yeah. it's, um, it's more that I just want to create. Um, so I've kind of, I dive back and forth between being just a songwriter producer and you know, like most of my demos and things that I've done don't even have me singing. So it, it's, that's all that fear, you know, the, all those things. And then as a music supervisor, it, it's actually, it actually made it worse because I, then your job is to kind of be a gatekeeper of, you know, opportunities. And then, like you said, I'm, you're comparing yourself to these people. I get sent music every day, constantly, so then I, I see what it takes to break through. So it's one more excuse, you know what I mean? So yeah. Do it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it, but I do want to put out my own music versus producing because I feel like I've uh, I've gone through kind of the whole cycle and I like producing other artists, but I I feel like there's, um you know, a certain point of view that I want to bring. Are these songs that you're co-writing with the artists or, or you'll write them yourself uh, or they'll write or is it a combination? I've done a lot um, of different, either just regular writing sessions with writers and then also with artists directly. Um, really haven't done that much of it, but, uh, and then I've kind of just been building up this idea of kind of the album I want to be working on myself next. 
Do you have like a moniker or, or like a band name or something that, that people... I have a few things out just under Trigga. Okay. Um, one of them was a song that was just like a session that I did uh, with my friend Spencer Bastion and uh, Sam Martin. And it was, you know, it was kind of funny. We, I, you know, we just had this demo idea that we were, you know, it's just another song to maybe pitch different artists and... I was talking to uh, Dimitri Vegas, uh, the you know who was number one DJ in the world at the time during yeah. COVID, and uh, we just started passing off ideas back and forth, and um, you know he he really liked one of them, and then uh, we ended up developing it with uh, with his wife Matan, um, who uh, is another DJ artist as well, and so she ended up putting the song out. I stayed on as an artist, um, and. And it actually did pretty well. You know, it's a you know, two million streams. So in my world, that's pretty that's, insane. That's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? So so I have like five songs out or something. One of them, one of them did pretty well, but it's all just kind of, you know, random at this point. So um It's funny. One thing I can't I, I want to bring this up. So I think Spotify, I guess it all begins with Napster for better or for worse, destroyed the, the music industry's old models. And this, this new model has, has evolved. And, you know, look, I'm friends with a lot of singer-songwriters who will scream at the top of the mountain about, you know, royalties and what it's done. And, 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 and Spotify's a billion-dollar company, and, and they don't care about the, you know, the smaller singer-songwriters in the world. And, and I do think it's important to live in a society where artists can make $50,000 a year. I'm just throwing like 70, like like you've got the Taylor Swifts, the Kanye's, but I think it's really cool if we have kids right now that are aspiring or figuring out a way to make a hundred grand or 50 grand to play cello or play bass or be a songwriter. And I think, and I have friends in Seattle, uh, do you know Phil Peterson? He's a cello player and he's a producer. I don't. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah, Name he, sounds familiar, though. He, I mean, he's played on a ton of records, uh, but he just, he, we spoke maybe a couple months ago, and he said all of his friends have had, they've all had to get, like, multiple additional jobs in addition to... Multiple jobs, yeah. Yeah. And again, it's, I mean, I, I do the same thing. I supplement also. And, yeah. I, but I guess my, my eventual point here is that I do think the music supervisor has been elevated to this um, king in the industry in a, in a pretty profound way. I mean, I think 10 years ago, it was easier, I, again, you'll know better than me, for indie artists to get their music placed. But because of the collapse of the record industry, it's also affected you know, the elbows and the becks and, and the white stripes. I know they're not around because they have to... Uh, they they can't get money through uh, record sales anymore, so they have to tour or they have to get those placements. And it, I, we talk about competition, but it, it feels like that world of music supervision is is pretty fierce and intense. I'm I'm gathering from the people that I know and people that I talk to. I don't know if if you can even touch on that or have you know what what you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's interesting because it's so different than getting radio play or a playlist or anything like that. It has to actually specifically work for a project. So, you know what I mean? It's not like we can just, even if I absolutely love the song, doesn't mean I'm going to find a spot for it yeah. ever, maybe. So it's, um, it, it's an interesting, you know, numbers game in that way, trying to, you know, get the word out. Obviously if it's, if it's just like a very syncable song and it happens to work and, you know, because obviously a lot of popular songs end up getting used a lot. So, there is a way there's a lot of content out there or a lot of, you know, film and TV projects and commercials and video games. And there's so many things. Um, so yeah, I mean, are you, do you mean on the getting supervisors attention route or on the supervision as a, as a career? Probably I, I had, I have no expectations of, of getting music placed as a career. I think, um, getting attention, um, and just being on somebody's radar, um, you know, again, I'm one of probably 50,000 emails or 10,000 emails. And it's it's like 
And then maybe Beck's manager is also emailing, and it's probably going to behoove the music supervisor to remember Beck's manager more than the singer-songwriter in, in Tallahassee. So, um, so yeah, I see what you're saying. So basically, like, the indie artists now are competing with the bigger names because everybody needs syncs. Is that what you were... Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. a point, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think um, that's why, I mean, there, there are, at least there's... Currently, with the content wars, there's currently plenty of projects, so that's good. Um, that's true. I think that getting supervisors' attention comes the same way that it always has. I think we're like I always say we're fans first. So if you know if you were playing out, how do you get fans normally? You play out, you get a lot of different ways to like show the music, and we'll find it the same way. But I think people get upset because they try to go directly in and they can't like get in that way. And I think it we want to find the music the same way a fan does versus just getting it directly. Um, but I always say that the best way to do it is to work with the music placement companies yeah. or like your label or your publisher, whoever, you know, whoever you're working with, how do you get those really, they already have the relationships with us directly. And like you said, if there's 50,000 emails, what's the likelihood of us directly dealing with the artist anyway? Um, the only time I deal with managers is when I'm making like a big original song for like the end title of a film and I'll deal directly with the managers on like a big, you know, some big marketing song, you know, some uh, kind of huge effort. Yeah. But the it's so rare when I'm going to reach out to an individual indie artist and ask them for songs for a spot because I I wouldn't be getting very good odds if I'm unless I'm emailing thousands of <laughs> artists directly and that would be kind of crazy. But if I reach out to 100 companies or even like 30 companies, then I'm getting thousands of artists opportunities and, you know, we're going to get the best option of what we can go after. And a lot of times we have to reach out to people because budget is such a big part of it. And yeah. I mean, in the creative process, we're just putting, putting songs in. But a lot of times near the end, you really have to cut, start cutting it down to make sure it all fits, you know, all the all the blocks fit inside. So it's like that's when we're like, we need this specific amount, you know, this is all we have and this is what we need it to fit in. And then we reach out to those companies. So I would say that getting with the sync companies is the, is the best avenue because they, we talk to them every day. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like a lot, of, I know obviously everybody wants to just own everything themselves now. And I, I really like that, that movement versus, I mean, when I clear a pop song, how many people are involved in that? You know what I mean? And then what's the, like, no wonder the song costs, a hundred grand because there's so many people getting cut in before that big A-lister yeah. and then the A-lister is like, what's 10 grand? I don't want, you know, like they don't even care because there's so many different parts. So I get that. But I also feel that's, what's cool about the licensing companies is that they, they don't get paid till you get paid. Right. I would say the majority of them are like that. It's like a split setup to where they're pitching the song and when money comes in, they take a portion of it and you get the rest. Um, and I think that's just the best use of time and, and resources for on both ends. Yeah. Because individually hitting up supervisors feels like a lot of work as well. Absolutely. As if you get a company that like, you know, I just know them. We go to lunch there. We're buddies like they, uh, you know, I trust their music tastes really because they they've done the work of finding the coolest new artists and then they they share with us. Um, and I think that's that's just always made the most sense to me. Obviously, I do work with some individual artists, but it's just not it's not as uh, regular as the, with the companies. Do you feel last couple of points? Um, do you ever feel? I don't know if the word I don't know I don't know the word I'm looking for, but as an artist, but then also to see firsthand the business side of things, does that make you feel confused or or you just you? I think it's now more essential than ever for artists to have knowledge about business. Um, what It could be the music industry, the film industry. Do, you, do you, Does your brain sort of get a little overwhelmed when it's like two weeks straight of music supervision or, or do you try to, you know, balance it out or, or is it, and, and, and as artists, as you see what people have to do to get things placed and sort of the luck that can be involved in the timing, do you see how that sort of affects your headspace or or feelings towards creativity in any sort of way? Well, I uh, it's interesting um, that you brought that up because the I actually um, I think we talked about, but I, I you know I have a course for sync music for artists because 
there's so much of that knowledge and like how those things work and how they can like try to figure that out. It doesn't cover obviously the business of all, you know, there's so much involved in artist, you know, the journey now. But um, so that's, that's one thing I always point to is like, here's all the answers in one place. But um, me personally, my job is juggling already mm-hmm. because supervision is half creative, half like budget and administrative and like figuring all those problems out and then all of a sudden i have just be like i'm going to connect with the filmmaker and find the perfect you know emotional moment in this database of a million songs and i we'd have to do that all day all day long so it's a it's an interesting um job in that way whereas i feel like a lot of creatives are like i need two weeks straight of just making my music and i um i don't i don't even I can't even remotely understand, start to understand that because it's so opposite for me. So I'm always finding I'm a, I'm writing a song in the one hour of time I have per day, yeah. you know, which um, it's you know I, I feel like that's ideal. I mean, I've read uh, the book Deep Work and, uh, and yeah. a lot of these things of like uh, you don't want to you want to be able to get to a deeper level and really like turn off all those distractions. Um, but I feel like my job has kind of made me built for the way things are these days Yeah, <laughs> because we just have to juggle. Like if I'm, if I'm on eight different projects, it, one minute I'm worrying about the budget for this one, then I have to find music for this one. And then, you know, I'm, uh, figuring like deep diving on a clearance for, you know, finding the owner of this one. So it helps a lot with that. Um, but you know, on that same point, you mentioned the book earlier, that's a lot of what the book was supposed to be about. And I wrote it three years ago and haven't, uh, I'm kind of on that last, uh, draft and considering, you know, does it make sense to actually go through and, and release it? But that was kind of what it was about is like my life of, I have two kids. Uh, I worked on tons of projects at once. Um, and also try to juggle making music. And then I have this whole text out of me. So how do you get all those things done? And actually make actually be able to quickly get into creative work when you're so inundated with so many things. And that that was kind of like that's where the book came from. And all those tools that I used to be able to do that made it into the book. And then I decided I want to build that into a more accessible app of ways that people can actually use the tools as well. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of it's all connected, which is fun. Um, yeah. That was a roundabout way to answer that question. That's no, cool. But, yeah. Well, and you just made me think. I think artists put a lot of pressure on themselves, and I think the society we live in also has this sort of overwhelming wave of pressure to compete to get things done. So, I actually do think it actually takes some of the pressure off if. Like I've got like fifteen to seventeen songs right now. Five are done. Four need to be. I need to finish the lyrics. Uh, next week I'm meeting with the drummer and the bass player. Like, and then I was right. Like I finished my book about a year ago. So, and then I was DJing up until COVID. But if you're able to sort of ebb and flow and go to one, and then oh, I'm not really singing well today, so I'm going to hit my book. Oh, I'm not feeling the book today. Uh, we're going to work on the bass. I'm going to call up my buddy Dan. We're going to. I think that actually really relieves a lot of the pressure and the stakes, uh, sort of on a day to day basis. Right. If you have multiple goals that you're kind of uh, aiming after, but also every creative project has a different part to it. Like you said, one you're ideating at one point, you're recording at another point, you're producing, mixing, adding all these, you know, and all those are kind of slightly different headspaces. Yep. Like mixing is creative, but it's also not the same creative as just writing the song originally on the guitar or whatever. So I think you're right. Being able to, I, that's what a lot of what I was trying to put into the book was systems of times of when you do different parts of that, you know, of that job. And how do you, because if you just walk in and say, I'm going to make a song today, it's really hard to get anything done. Whereas if you say, I'm going to come up with chords and a melody today. That's it. Then that's all good. And if that's not even working, then I'll just go mix this other song instead. And having those sort of, like you're saying, having those backup parts of the different process. So you were, you know, you can keep moving forward. Yeah. Because it's so easy. That's a lot of it is like, if you say, uh, this is all I can do today. And then you can't, and there's something stopping you. People say like, go out and, you know, go walk around the block and all those things help because it's really just resetting your brain into a different place 
Because if you're up against, you know, a brick wall, you just just running into that wall <laughs> over and over doesn't you're never going to get through the wall. So, you know, yeah. you have to kind of reset it or, or, you know, go in a different direction that day for sure. Yeah. I think a lot of that helps. Last point is I was thinking is, is you were talking, you know, I had a friend who passed away this last year and, and she was such a pure artist, like people wanted her to sell her, her artwork and her paintings because she was that talented and she kind of dabbled in a, a little bit, but I get the sense it probably, it, sorry, my cat, it hurt. It just, it really hurts when you put yourself, you put your heart into something creatively and then it's sort of out for the world to judge it or buy it. And then there's potentially a manager who really wants to push it because, you know, not only they think it's good, but they could potentially make a lot of money. Um, I, I just, I think art can often be from such a pure, vulnerable space um, that when you tack on the business side of it, it can really wreak a lot of havoc on a lot of people. And, uh, and I think that's actually a normal response because you're placing dollar signs and, and attention. And I think there's a reason why uh, artists get into addiction and have a hard time dealing with, with that world of yeah. fame and attention because you know, so often art comes from pain and vulnerability and just releasing. It's like therapy. So... Um, I don't know. Do you have any? I didn't. I didn't come up with a question, but it's. It's like. Do you have any thoughts? Or do you have any advice? Or. Or when do you feel your. Your most like at your best as an artist. Are Are you, thinking about the business side, or it's sort of it just like unfolds as it does. Is it? It's. It's obviously very complicated. I, I don't even have a direct question, so I apologize. But these are things that I certainly think about. Yeah, I, I think I'm just good at compartmentalizing those different areas, which is uh, because that's I mean, that's I struggle with all that as well, um, which is, you know, that was part of that whole journey of, uh, you know, yeah. went into different levels of addiction and, and dealing with, uh, you know, what I wanted to be doing creatively and what I wasn't able to. And then, you know, that makes it you get 10 times worse by going that direction. And uh, I think. That's why I try to set up, you know, instead of expecting to get through all these things, just I, like I, I love to just sit at the piano and just just think of an emotion, think of a memory and then melodies just come out like it's mm. just I, and I try to completely separate those things. And I, at the business side, I think that's why I like that. Um, I, I mean, I like that there I the future to me feels like you need a bunch of these companies that are services that can help the artist do all those different things. And I think it's been flip sided in the past where when you have a record deal, you're making, I don't even know what the stat is, but such a small percentage on each, you know, whereas the artist should be getting 80% and then these service companies should be doing what they do on a broad scale for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, I don't think every artist needs to have a business sense. I've just mm. always kind of had both personally because I, you know, I don't know, just this very specific upbringing of being into both sides. But I think that um, that's why I always, uh, you know, if you can build a team around you, I know it's really hard because it's, you know, it's hard to build a team when there's no income, right? Because yeah. it's just all got, it has to be excitement about what you're doing and what the potential of what you could do. And I think that's why I like, all those different avenues of like this PR team maybe makes it, you know, makes this much or I just, there's gotta be a way to where it's almost like artistry as a service, you know, like to where there's these different, you can bolt on people helping you build it to that next level so that you can really do your artistry um, correctly. I, but I, I guess as far as um, it, it is hard to do just that, right? Yeah. Like, um, and then expect it to all just kind of happen. I think these days, because there's just so much noise, like you said, uh, because even, even as purely an artist, 
let's say you have a label or you have a sync plate, anybody that's on your team, you still have to get, you kind of have to work that part of the team to do anything to like, to, to make you stand up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. not do anything, but if they have 50 artists, they rep, uh, I always tell people like, find, if you're signed to a label, if you're signed to a publisher, go hang out with your sync people, get to know them personally, because otherwise you're just another song to them. So it's like, how do you, um, and I don't feel like that's really a business thing. I don't think you have to be worrying about money or anything. That's more like personal relationships and making sure that people are excited about your, as, as excited about your music as you are. Yeah. And I think that can help. Um, and it doesn't feel like you need to know dollars and cents or be thinking about money. It's more about just like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's an emotional thing too, you know, uh, yeah. making personal relationships with your team and, you know, really making sure that they're there. As far as like social media and everything like that, I don't, you know, that's a whole nother, you yeah. know, it's, it's a, it's hard to be an artist now for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I like to keep my podcast an hour, so I'll say goodbye only because I do often think about uh, our culture's attention span. And, and, and I think Joe Rogan is an anomaly. I, I don't, uh, I, anyway, I just, you know, these three hour podcast, the, the irony yeah. is I could keep talking to you, but my last little point in, in response, and if you want to say something, it's fine. Um, it's silly of me, but I, I try to sort of remind people the value of art appreciation in the sense that I do think an effect of, of all these streaming services in 999, and I, I don't think people really understand. And they, they really, it's not their responsibility. They just want a good deal. But I don't think people really understand the sort of process and the cost of making a movie or, or even making a song. Like, I'm really good uh, at a lot of things, but I still need to hire a bass player who could very easily charge like Taylor Swift just or he would charge, I don't know, one to $5,000, but he also has those bro rates where it's like 150 to $250, but still, you know, 250 and then 200 for the drummer. It's like all this stuff and then a good mix. And to make that back. Yeah. I mean, like, so, yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah. nowadays, I think more artists are actually doing art because they just love to do it and, and they're willing to spend the $200, the $500, the $1,000 because they want to fully realize this thing that they have in their head that they want people to hear. Um, but yeah, I just, I think one effect of what's happened is people don't really understand or value art. Amen. Yes. Uh, I was going to say, you can just cut out like half of it and then it'll be plenty. It'll be short enough. So it'll be easy, yeah. easy fix. No, no, no. Yeah. This, uh, this was, this was really great, man. I, I really, um, yeah, it's funny. The last like six weeks I've been on vacations. So more of my podcasts have been just me sort of making comments about either movies or shows or something I've listened to. We're actually, my girlfriend and I are going to Yellowstone in Montana tomorrow for five days and uh, oh, nice. never been there. So, um, and I have, but yeah, I have a couple of guests lined up over the next few weeks. So this has really reminded me, um, there's something about when you turn the microphone on and you have somebody in your ears, uh, it, it just sort of raises the frequencies and, and, and what you're talking about is obviously something that I'm really interested in. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, this, yeah, this means a lot. This was great. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Maybe one day our, our paths will cross and we can continue or I'll, I'll have you back on. I've certainly had people on multiple times, but yeah, this is one of those areas that I, I could, I could talk about for hours. So I'll come back if I drop the book or the or the full app or hopefully all together and yeah totally yeah. I'm, I'm I'm working on it. So, so the, you, you 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 definitely want that book to to be a, a realized entity. Great. Yes, thank you. Yeah, uh, you no, should I need to hear that. So yeah, it it needs to happen yeah. for sure. So totally, and it's it's all kind of connected, right? Yeah, that's, that's you know we're talking about focusing on different things, and it's like. I've realized that all those different things can all be one thing. You're making music, supervising this creativity ecosystem that I'm building, like with a book that kind of speaks to, you know, it's all one, um, you know, it's all, it's, it's all me basically. Yeah. So that, that's, I'm just trying to, I'm holding a lot of rocks up the hill, but I'm realizing that maybe it's just one. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. Are, are, are you in LA or are you up North? I'm in LA. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. We, 
Next um, time we can do it in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. I used to, I used yeah. to have people come over here all the time, uh, but you know, conveniences and obviously what happened in 2020 to 2022. So everything went to Zoom. So um, yeah. Well, cool, man. I appreciate your time, and uh, yeah, we'll definitely talk soon. This was this was fantastic. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, dude. Have good a talk. Great, have a good afternoon. You too. Bye. Bye.